I'm going to start into camera with uh, uh, hello and welcome. And then obviously a big shout out to our partners at Betway. Uh, remember, you can get a risk-free bet. We saw your post on Instagram. <laughs> risk-free bet. And then we'll go into introing Victor Matfield. Was it like 200 tests or something, eh? <laughs> I feel like that's. I wish. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another edition of the CS Duplessis Show. Uh, big shout out to our partners at Betway. Remember, you can get a risk-free bet on the Springboks, this Rugby World Cup. It's an outright victory for the men in green and gold. Risk-free. I mean, what are you waiting for? Go and check out betway.co.za. Terms and conditions apply. Now, when people talk about the word legend, and people throw the word legend, Ray, around a lot, right? I mean, I think a little bit too generous at times. But when it comes to one particular guy, I'm a huge fan. I know Ray, my executive producer, is a huge fan of yours, Victor Madfield. Legend is the only word I can use to describe you. I mean, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate your time. Um, and I'm going to throw you in the deep end straight away. When you look back at your career now, when you had started first picked up a rugby ball and someone said to you, you will play over a hundred test matches for the box. Would you have believed them back then? Or was there that sense of belief that this is what I want to do? Well, any little kid, uh, when you grow up, uh, picks up that rugby ball. I grew up on a rugby field. My dad was a, a schoolmaster. And um, you think you're Nas Boota back then, <laughs> or you think you're Yanni Briet or whatever. And uh, you've got this dream of one day becoming that. But um, I mean, as you grow older, you've, you don't really think that's going to be possible. Uh, but I always loved sport, right. rugby, cricket, tennis, whatever. If there was a ball, I was involved in it. So um, just loved sport. And um, yeah, when you get that first call up for the Springboks, uh, you're just happy that you get one. Uh, yeah. To sit here and have played 127 test matches, four World Cups, um, that's special. And uh, you need to be blessed. Uh, you also need coaches that back you. Yeah. Um, at any time, it could have been a different coach. It just didn't like my style, didn't like the way I play. Um, but fortunately, I had guys backing me, and I had a great team around me. And then I had a combination with Habakis Buerta. It was very hard to drop one of us because <laughs> the combination just worked. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of luck and a lot of blessing and a lot of great teammates uh, to have come where I, I came. Take me back to your that moment you got your first Springbok call-up. I mean... Was it a case of making a call to someone or, you know, was it like pinch me moment? Because we'll never represent the box. <laughs> I mean, we're just too old, I think. Not skills isn't a problem, but we're just a bit old now. But um, that first moment, that must have been a dream come true for you. Well, the first time I, I got picked, uh, I was actually still playing for Greek was, Um And I was on my way to Pretoria when the team got announced. And I could remember... Uh, for the next hour and a half, back then you didn't have car phones or anything. <laughs> I was on my phone, just people calling and congratulating me and just, yeah, everyone. And then I came to Pretoria and there was already a party ready for me and it was a big <laughs> night. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was a big night. And that, that, that too, I only played um, midweek games. So it was, mm. you're part of the squad, but you're sure. part of it. And then the next year I had a really good um, super rugby with the Bulls and everyone said that, well i'm definitely going to be there i'm going to be in the test side playing i think the first test was against italy and um before the game i remember Danny van skalkbeek who played for the box back then came to me and said victor just don't get injured today yeah 
And what happened? I think in the 15th oh, minute of the game, <laughs> tackle from the side on my knee, media ligaments gone. Oh, man. So team gets announced, I'm not there. Or I'm there, but I can't play. I'm sure. out for six weeks. And then you have to go through this process and you have to build yourself back up, stay positive. And then, yeah, luckily six weeks later, I was in PE for the Bulls for a sale week before the Curry Cup started. And then I got the call from... Um, Harry Phil Unit said, listen, Victor, we know you're ready again. Come join us again. And I joined in on a Sunday night. I mean, but to walk into that change room, Rassi, Rasmus, Oli LaRue, Mark Andrews, Andre Fenter, uh, Johan Ackerman, uh, all those legends yeah. uh, in a room. And you, this 22-year-old, 23-year-old, <laughs> uh, you just want to sit in that corner. Uh, and back then, I didn't know a lot of guys because I came from Griquas for two years. And then the only Bulls player that was there was U.S. from Avestazen. Uh, and he didn't really talk to the juniors. <laughs> <laughs> he was a pretty tough senior. Um, but, yeah, just an amazing feeling. And then, of course, to wear the jersey, uh, coming off the bench. And then the next week, my first game at Newlands against the All Blacks facing the half Jeez, what a game. That's just, uh, you can't explain it. Uh, just standing there with the... Springbok mates next to you facing that talk. I know you're going to go into a big battle now. I don't think you are lacking in motivation when you face the Haka. When you see it for the first time, maybe the, obviously there's butterflies, yeah. but when you see it, you're like, let's let's go. Let's bring this on. Let's no, go. Uh, there's so many talk about it's an unfair advantage for the All Blacks. I always say, well, they do it every game. We get to see it two, maybe three times a yeah. year. So I think the motivation for other teams are almost more because I think that's just the ultimate in rugby, to stand there, except for maybe seeing the anthem before a World Cup final. But, I mean, standing there, facing the Hawk are the biggest challenge, the biggest team you can play against uh, in a Springbok jersey. Um, yeah, that's a dream come true. Now, facing the All Blacks, I mean, you've played pretty much everyone uh, against everyone. Is that intensity just on another level? You know, is it the benchmark sort of thing? I know the Springboks mm -hmm. are three-time world champions, so are New Zealand, but when you faced the All Blacks, did you just know that the intensity was just up a percent or 5% or whatever it is? Yeah, there's just no other game like that. Um, I think physicality is there. I mean, tempo, speed, uh, skill level, everything is there when you play the All Blacks. And um, we actually spoke this morning uh, when we predicted... Uh, the World Cup run-up to the final and um, John and myself we were talking about who would we like to face in a quarterfinal with France playing in France yeah, or, the nation, All Blacks, yeah. or the All Blacks and we <laughs> both said we'd rather face France you'll face any team except the All Blacks uh, in the quarters. at any time yeah, any time yeah, so that's, that's the last team you want to face in any game so um, yeah that challenge is just always yeah. So big, and I mean that's the only team in world rugby that's beaten the Springboks more than we've beaten them. So, um, yeah, that's the ultimate challenge. And the nice thing is that they're actually such nice guys off the field. I mean, some of my best mates are from the um, All Black sides. I mean, a guy like Ali Williams. Uh, we would have had a beer on a Wednesday before we play a Test match or we play the Blues, or whatever. So, um, and then afterwards, we can't wait to get together <laughs> to have a few more. Um, yeah, he blicks them each other on the field, but when you're off, it's yes, fine. You get the yeah, <laughs> and then uh, the guy that's won the game, of course, he's got the bragging rights. So it's always tougher for the other one that's lost. But um, yeah, I mean, great guys, always respect. And I think they respect the box just as much as we respect them. I think that's the beauty of rugby. And, and you mm. think of the friendships, the opportunities that you've had. 
Mm. I mean, if it wasn't for rugby, have you sort of thought about where you might be playing cricket, maybe <laughs> or something along those lines, or <laughs> or being an accountant? Uh, that wouldn't have been <laughs> oh, that Mike, much fun. That would have been a waste. Um, yeah, I mean, rugby gave me so many opportunities. Uh, it made me travel the world, see the world, meet people. I mean, if I go through the people that I've met, I've met the Queen of England, met the uh, Prince of Monaco, you've met everyone. Uh, That's all amazing. Over, got the chance three times to meet uh, When you met the Queen. Madiba. I know, I mean, she's, I mean, these people. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, rugby gave us opportunities. Uh, I've seen the world. I was very fortunate enough. Um, my oldest daughter probably seen more of the world than any other adult uh, <laughs> traveling the world. So, um, yeah, um, just great opportunities and good times. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people always say, well, what's the memories? What's the big things that you remember? And they always think of things on the field. Well, the times we had off the field with some great uh, mates of mine was just unbelievable. And with the Springboks as well, I always say, look, we had a very close Bulls group and yeah. um, we had fantastic times. But there was a group of guys within that Springbok team that played together for almost nine years. And uh, we got so close, our wives got close, our kids uh, were born in the same um, stages of our lives. Uh, they became friends and uh, it's just a very close-knit group of guys. Still family, and when you still hang out, you still. I seen the legends. Mm. You were at uh, the one yeah. game the other day. That's amazing, um, Victor. I've got to ask you. Uh, you mentioned the highlight being singing your national anthem before mm. a rugby World Cup final. I mean, just take us there. Is it? I know you've been through the tournament. The body is a little bit sore, but the motivation you pumped. Mm. There's so much energy. Just take us what it feels like to be standing there, knowing that you're going into battle. Yeah, I mean, my first World Cup 2003, 2003 wasn't the best experience. <laughs> sure. um, I mean, we went through come stall drought and we had a very young team. I mean, I was I had 13 test matches, t test caps going into the World Cup. And I was sitting in the front row uh, when he yeah. took the group photo. I mean, eight years later, there was guys with 80 test matches not sitting in the front row. I mean, just the experience went there. So it's a very difficult um, 2003 and then we walked in in Bloemfontein for the first camp 2004 and Jake White had on the board World Cup champions 2007 and I mean we worked for four years uh, the first year went very well won Tri-Nations and uh, the next year was good then two years before the World Cup we had the dip Jake almost got fired uh, everyone was said no this is not the right team but we stuck to what we knew and we stuck to what we believed would win us the World Cup and I mean going into the World Cup um, we didn't have I probably probably weren't the favourites uh, then we had that game against England in pool stages and then all of a sudden this is a team that we need to look at and um, I mean then you get to a World Cup final and I mean standing in that corridor next to the English boys then running out seeing the people standing there singing the anthem um, yeah <laughs> it's unexplainable almost uh, then winning it and then uh, one of the best moments for me was uh, not that evening. That evening is just crazy. It's yeah. just every there's just people. You get back to the hotel and there's people you don't know. They're in the team room. You just don't get together, just the players. And yeah. the next day we had a function where about 10 of us went to. Um, there was a big grass uh, in front of the Eiffel Tower. And at some stage we were about 10 guys and we sat outside. I think we just had a glass of champagne. And we sat there and it was just... 
we did this. That's Can you believe amazing. we did this? And that was one of the most amazing feelings in our lives. Um, and then, of course, coming back to South Africa, getting off the airplane, walking into Tambo, going through the country, and to see what it means to this country, how people just get together. It doesn't matter what your background is, what your color is, what your beliefs is. They just get together because the Boca won the World Cup. And we are the world champions, not just the players, the whole country. And, um, you know, that was a special moment. You and Bucky's were inseparable on the park, obviously, purely because of the lock combination. Mm. But off the park, were you guys also inseparable? Because I understand you both played together, but then you parted ways at some point with different teams down the line, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, when you Anyway, the fact of the matter is that's a special bond, right? Mm. That's one for life. Yeah, and um, we're actually not the best of friends off the field. Okay, uh, there's a lot of respect. We're yes, always yeah. friends when we get to this grade, but we're not. We don't bry with each other. Okay. Like I'm a, a Frida Priya, Jakub Petrius, Jakub van der Westen. Those were the guys that I'll play golf with. I'm a you. golfer. I'm a city boy. Bucky's is a farm <laughs> boy. He just want to go whenever he's got off. He wants to go to the farm. Um, but I mean, when it comes to rugby, we yeah. always roomed in the early days sure. before we had our own rooms. Did you uh, have a choice in that? No. Yeah, okay. yes. Oh, yeah. So you, you choose who you pick who you okay. um, room with. And uh, in the beginning years, uh, I remember always said with the sandwich because always me and my Bucky's and Yaku van West has always dragged with wherever Bucky's and myself <laughs> and Yaku was there. So they always talked about the sandwich. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we just had the most respect for each other. Sure. And although we're so different, yeah. uh, somehow when we got on the field or we if we if we went on a rugby tour we just got together and yeah. we understand each other and now as well um we've got the, the induction uh, the induction into the wall of fame tonight and um i can't wait to see everyone. i can't wait to see bucky's again like uh, just to sit there and just let the stories come back yeah. that we've experienced throughout our careers so um yeah a uh, very special bond yeah and i mean i said it this morning i think if Bucky's and myself weren't a combination. I probably wouldn't have played 127 games because there was stages. I mean, a guy like Andrews Beckett played fantastic yep. rugby. He was bigger. He was quicker. Um, he had a lot of skills, but he didn't have the combination with Bucky's. There was other guys in Bucky's position that came through, but the combination with me and him was just um, unbreakable. So it helped me a lot to get to the 127 uh, games. Uh, you joked just before we started that had you not retired, you probably would have had a lot more. <laughs> but at, at that time, I suppose it was a gut feel, right? It mm. was it was it was time, in your opinion, mm. to call a day. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult thing. I'm, I mean, we've achieved so much. Mm. Um, I mean, two thousand and seven. I actually thought then, okay, I'm done with Springbok Rugby. I'm going to make a lot of money. I played playing. France going to 2-2 law. When I was there for a month, I knew I want to go back home. I want to play more test matches. Uh, I don't play rugby for the money. I played for the passion. Yeah. And I live my passion with the Bulls and the Springboks. I want to go. I wanted to get back home. Back then, we couldn't play overseas and play for the box. So I wanted to get back. And then 2009, a lot of people talk about 2007 where... Uh, we won Super Rugby, mm. the Bulls, and then the World Cup, and they say you can't get better. And then we went 2009, Bulls won Super Rugby, then we beat the British Irish Lions, then we beat New Zealand three times in <laughs> one year. That doesn't happen. And won the <laughs> exactly. and won the championship or Tri Nations back then. Then we won the Curry Cup as well with the Bulls. <laughs> so just unbelievable, yeah. And 
Then you go to the World Cup and you believe in your mind you're going to go back to back. We yeah. really believed it. I yeah. mean, we had a f we were a better team in 2011 than we were in 2007. And unfortunately, all of a sudden, I've announced this is my last World Cup I'm getting out of it because you think you're going to win the World Cup. And then you get knocked out. I don't know about Australia or Bryce Lawrence. I'm still... I think uh, Bryce Lawrence. Say? Yeah, so it's 50-50. And you're done. And then you stick with what you said, okay, I called it. And then the coach you worked with uh, for five, six years, that's probably the guy that had the biggest impact in my career, becomes the Springbok head coach. And he calls you and says, I know you're retired. I want you to come back, play for maybe two years, help the guys get used to me, be captain. And then, coach, I'm retired. That's it. But get out of retirement. <laughs> How do you say no? And, I mean, my wife always says, there's one guy, if he says jump into a fire, I'll do it. And that's Heineke. And, yeah. yeah. And then I said, okay, coach, I'll come back. But then uh, with the doping regulations, I was out of the doping pool and there was like a six-month period that I had to be back in and I would have missed the Tri-Nations that year. And I would, and I just said, Heineke, this is too long. I can't be out for so long. Um, so let's just leave it. It would have been great to work with coach. but And then at the end of the year, he said, no, <laughs> I still want you. I don't <laughs> want you just to play. I want you to play till the next World Cup. I know you can do it. I know the condition you're in. I know you, the way you work. And the body was feeling good? And was it okay? The body after a year felt 100% better than a year ago because it didn't take any hammering. Exactly. I was cycling. I was a bit light maybe, but I was as fit as I've ever been. And um, yeah, so we put everything in place and yeah, came back. And it's a difficult thing to say, was it the right choice? Was it not? Um, I mean, we finished, uh, we lost against Japan. <laughs> it wasn't great. But I mean, we came within two points in the semifinal of beating New Zealand. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if we beaten them, then if we won, and then gone on, I think the final was very easy against Australia. That semi-final was actually World Cup final. And yeah, we came very close. And again, another experience after Japan, turning things around, yeah. pulling together and putting up a performance yeah. like that and getting within two points of winning a World Cup again. So yeah, very uh, fortunate. And it was good times again to play with the same guys. I've yeah. played for a long time. And I mean, to work with Heineke as well. Um that Japan result, do you still get people reminding you of it or have people forgotten that we lost to Japan? No, it always comes up somewhere. <laughs> uh, sometimes they forget I played in that game or <laughs> sometimes we bring it up ourselves. But um, again, it's like this year's World Cup. Uh, it's a difficult thing. I mean, we went into that World Cup with there was about six or seven guys that were injured. Yeah. Um, but Heineke believed we needed those guys to win the World Cup. And I mean... They, were, they didn't take part in any of the sessions up till about a week before the World Cup. And so we went into the World Cup and those guys were undercooked. So we had to play them. Sure. Uh, at some stage, we had to play them. And I think going into Japan, probably a bit overconfident as well. And these guys being underplayed, we just weren't 100% yeah. there. And then all of a sudden, you're in that game and you feel like we can score any time. And then we go score and then they score. And then, okay, but we'll come now. And you just wait for that moment where you just start running away. And every time you score, they score. And then all of a sudden, five minutes to go, <laughs> all the pressure's on you. Yeah. And you can just feel that pressure. And yeah. Um, so that was probably the worst day in my rugby career. Uh, I remember going back into the change room. Somehow Heineke said to me, uh, Victor, you need to go go out and talk to the media. I'm like, I'm not captain. Go, John. <laughs> he said, I need you to go out and, <laughs> and I have to go out. And what do you say? You've been beaten. Um, so, but I mean, then we went back to the hotel and 
from there to the semifinals was such an amazing experience. Yeah. Right there, that evening, how everyone pulled together, where we had certain disagreements, all of a sudden everything was in the same direction. And um, yeah, uh, under pressure, we went through quite a few games, uh, beat Samoa, beat Scotland that were on a high as well, got through the quarterfinal um, against Wales in the last minute, and then semifinal, unfortunately, yeah. two points. That's, a, that's the fine margins at, at World Cup rugby, isn't that's it? The, it's not the best team yeah. that always wins it, but I mean, you need luck as well. Yeah. You need a referee decision. I mean, we had a penalty right in front of the poles with two minutes to go. I clean. They just started going about this neck clean at the top that turned it around. That could have been the winning exactly. kick. So, yeah, small margins. Jeez. Just imagine South Africa going, having four World Cup titles into this World Cup. Yeah. You know, history is destined. Anyway, we'll but get we'll to have that. it after this. Exactly, yeah. But um, you mentioned Scotland. Uh, the Springboks go into their opening encounter against Scotland, and and I think they've been quite happy with the sort of underdog tag. I think it's something that suits the Springboks not being mm. favourites. I think ranked fourth in the world at the moment. Do you think that's something they quite like is to fly under the radar, even though they never really fly under the radar? If that makes sense. Yeah, I think. Jock and Rossi will love to play the underdog card, but unfortunately, I just don't see that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think we must be the favourites with France and the All Blacks to yeah. win this World Cup. I mean, there's a lot of talk about Ireland. I just don't think they've got the depth in their squad. Although Munster won, that might actually be a problem for them because yeah. they're so used to just doing everything Leinster do and picking all the Leinster guys. Now there's other guys in the squad, but we've won URC where, and that can be difficult in the squad. All of a sudden, there's a different influence from this Munster side. So, I really believe the box are the favourites. Um, we've got one or two injuries that's huge for us. Yeah. Um, I mean, the injury to Andre, uh, Lukanya Arm, and uh, Luet de Jager is huge. I mean, yeah. those are three World Cup players, uh, world class players. And any team will miss them. But like we've seen with France now, losing Nintemak, yeah. unfortunately, a, a World Cup is won by a squad, That's not right. just 15 players. And we actually had this chat this morning with John de Villiers talking about France staying 2007. Just think the impact. At 20 years, yeah, he wouldn't have planned if John didn't get injured. John gets injured, he comes into that position, and he's a key man for us winning that World yeah. Cup, that long kick that he kicked in the final. So you need a squad. The guys need to step up. They've worked on the depth of the squad for three years now. Yeah. Um, there's no team with the depth that we've got uh, with the Springboks. So I think, yes, the underdog tag, we'll always try and get to that. But um, I think even as favorites, uh, we can do really well. I, I agree with you. I think the fact that they've been building this depth, you've got guys with game time and mm. experience of playing mm. big teams at big venues. Yeah. And that you can't buy that, you know. It's interesting... I think Jacques got a lot of stick for taking uh, Lucano and and uh, Andre with for the game against Wales and New Zealand. And obviously, if there's an injury, and then he's obviously got a bit of stick because people accused him that they might fake an injury with four scrum halves and bring Andre in. <laughs> this is World Cup. It's about winning the World Cup, right? So we'll do what we can to get the best people on the park, right? What's your, what's your take? I mean... I personally don't see any problems with it. I feel sorry for the player that has to make way, but at 10, we light. This is Rusty Rasmus you're talking about. <laughs> um, True. It's uh, all due respect, I don't know exactly 
how it works. Uh, John just John Smith said the other day that if you go into a World Cup injured, and you get injured at the World Cup, you can't be replaced. Okay. So that would have been a big risk sure. taking Andre and Lucania if they can't play before the World Cup. Um, I think with what we've done, remember you've got a lot of games. There's always injuries. It can be a scrum off. Yeah. It can be a wing. It can be a second rower. Sure. Uh, we've got four or five second rows yeah. that get injured. And, I mean, at that stage, you through certain games, you actually just want your best 23, and you can bring one of them in. Sure. And it's probably better for them to really work hard now and maybe even get a game somewhere while the World Cup's on the go um, to show that they're ready. So uh, it's going to be difficult. I mean, if a guy don't have an injury, it's very difficult to say, listen, you're going home. But, I mean, if you've got a little injury and... Okay, maybe yeah. <laughs> there's someone better we can bring and you can send them back. And again, I mean, it's a group of 40 guys. Yeah. It's so hard. I mean, all 40 of these guys worked for three years to get there. And it's always hard for those seven guys that's been in the games that played 10, 12 games not going to the World Cup. So it's still a group effort. And um, yeah, let's see what happened. Um, I still think the guys that's there can do the job. Yeah. Um, even, I mean, everyone's talking about goal kicking. If Andre's got the calf injury, he hasn't kicked for three yeah. months, what's his goal kicking like? No, exactly. So it's always nice to say, yeah, but if we've got this guy. But I mean, Marnie's taking the Stormers to two URC finals. And I mean, you don't get to a big competition final if you don't have a proper team. Yeah, I think that's that's key. And that's probably why there's so much talk around mm. Andre. But looking across the squad, obviously, Sia Khaleesi, I mean, it's a miracle, <coughs> let's be honest. I mean, when he had the injury for the Sharks, everyone's like, that's it, it's done. Mm. Um, he's obviously got some superpowers to get that knee fixed because right. 2019 felt very similar to this, but he's key to South Africa's chances um, in what he brings on the park, but also off, off the mm. park. Yeah, there's also been a lot of talk around that. It, it doesn't say he's going to play all the games. Mm. Uh, it depends on his form now in the first yeah. two weeks, but I mean, the influence he's got on the team, um, on the country, and the people supporting the box it's just unbelievable so it's great to have him there um i must say i thought maybe they'll carry him and he'll play in, like just before the quarterfinals and now he's playing this weekend before yeah. wales so uh it's unbelievable I, i've never heard about a crucial ligament being ready before six months normally nine months unbelievable and this is three three and a half months yeah. so um yeah the doctors are definitely getting better um <laughs> I know they didn't take any of his hammies, or, so it's a different op operation, it's a different procedure, um, but it will be great if it's back in form. Skulk actually had a look, or John, John Smith said to me in the Alice Paul game, that was three weeks ago, he had a look in warm-up and see how I was getting stuck in three weeks ago already. So it sounds like it's he's looking it's good, amazing. so let's hope. Uh, Ibn Etzebeth, obviously, uh, among many other Dwayne uh, mm. Bongi captained mm. But a guy like Eben almost seems like he's so comfortable in that leadership uh, position, like leading from the front. And I mean, he's one of the best in the world at the moment. I think world class. Um, as a former lock yourself, what makes Eben so special in your opinion? Yeah, I think Eben is the most important player for us at the World Cup. He's the He's got the biggest influence in what we want to do. I mean, if it's rolling more, if it's the physicality, if it's um, work right, he just got everything. So I always tell guys, um, they always ask me to pick 
my first 15 and it's always okay who do you pick with you even on buckies and i say it's easy with me i pick buckies yeah but I think the best player that South Africa ever had is Eben Etzebet. I think he's the best player that we've ever had. And he's just got everything. So he's got some of the abilities that I had of a work rate, getting in that first line, uh, line out ability, getting up in the air. He's got everything. Yeah. And then he's got this physicality yeah. that Bucky's had. He's maybe <laughs> not as... Um, can't work the, use the word dirty. He's maybe not. Bucky's is never dirty. What are you talking about? <laughs> that Bucky's was. Bucky's could get away with a lot more than it, Eben can get away these days. Um, but no, he's just got everything. And um, I mean, his leadership has grown. I mean, yeah. as a youngster, I never thought of Eben as a Springbok captain. And last year, when they played France behind the poles, when we were down and out, yellow card, he was the guy, even with Sia there, speaking to the guys yeah. and getting them ramped up. And playing the best rugby of his life, leading from the front. So, yeah, Eben's going to be so important for us for this World Cup. Looking at, um, in the past, how Rossi and Jacques have used the bomb squad, do you think it will be a similar approach? I know there's a lot of games <coughs> in the World Cup and you have to pick horses for courses, mm -hmm. but the guys like Malcolm Marks and Kitsoff and mm -hmm. these guys, Malharba's obviously between the, the two, but that bomb squad, geez, when they come onto the park, the opposition must go like, what the hell? <laughs> you know? Yeah, we, we talked about that depth that we had but I think uh, we also saw against the All Blacks uh, in New Zealand this year there's certain games and especially if you play guy teams that's really good when they're in front when they you get the pressure off them like the All Blacks yeah. then you almost want to start with your best team yeah. you need to get that front you need to get them under pressure you need them to feel that scoreboard pressure as well so you might turn it around but I mean we talked about the depth in the squad I mean, the guys, doesn't matter if it's Malcolm star starting, Bongi coming off. It's still a bomb squad, Absolutely, I understand. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just getting that balance right. And, um, I mean, with our depth and our back or forwards, you always get it. Uh, I think there's one or two guys that's out and out bomb squad players. Yeah. Uh, they're much better coming off the bench, bringing speed into the game. Rather, I'll never have a guy like this weekend we do have, but I think it's before, but I'll never have a Dwayne Vermeulen on the bench. Yeah, I'll start him or I don't play. Yes. Um, because his influence is just different in the beginning. You want that hard edge of him. But there's other guys that's probably much better. Kwaha. Yeah. Kwaha is brilliant off the bench. Um, his impact when he's starting, not as big, but yeah. when he comes off the bench with the pace that he brings into the game, it's just unbelievable. Victor, I've got to ask you, do you miss the game at all? I, I know the... The physicality of it and the bumps and bruises after a, a tough mm. test match aren't nice. They're never no. nice, or the preseason. But do you miss the game, and what is it about the game that you miss, if if at all? Yeah, my first retirement, uh, I really just wanted to get back and play again. Yeah. Um, now, I'm almost 50, so... <laughs> uh, Spring chicken. Not, not missing the game itself. I think missing that intensity, mm -hmm. the build-up, the... It's a week-to-week -week adrenaline rush that builds up, go at it, then it's either very happy or very sad, and then you have to start again, and it goes again. And you get, I think you get uh, used to that, and you want, you just want more. Um, I get sometimes these days where we do a cycling race uh, or just a race by ourselves, and we just push ourselves, you can't, and you push yourself further, and you almost get to that feeling, okay, now I'm done, now I can have a glass of light or a brandy, <laughs> Ah, this almost feels like a rugby. Yeah. You pushed yourself all the way to that limit, and now it's just that feeling of, 
I've done it. Yeah. It's nice. So you do miss that. You miss that highs and the lows in, in your life and the build up to that um, uh, big moment. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's nice to work for Super Sport. I mean, with Betway still being close, seeing the guys, talking to them, it's nice to still be close to the game. Um, yeah, I, th I don't think the game will ever leave your life, Victor Matfield. Mm. Um, but when you retired for the second time, like, was it very different to the first time? I know at the first time you've mentioned how you were like, okay, mm. what more must I achieve? Yeah. Heineck has come and convinced you. The second time, was that like, a, was that a difficult one for you? Yeah, the, f the first time was difficult. Yeah. Um, I mean, I went to Supersport and I mean, Heineke called me a month after. So I actually was still on holiday when he called me or he got announced as coach. And um, so, I mean, I went to work for Supersport, but I couldn't really talk about the guys because it was in my mind, am I going to play again? I want to play again. I mean, it's difficult. even when I coached uh, the first year, I just at Supersport, super did a bit of consulting for second year. I coached the um, Bull Super Rugby team as forwards and a, a tech coach. And I mean, even there, when it's line outs, I got in the other side <laughs> and I was better than the other guys. Sure. I could still beat them any day, any yeah. time. It was easy. Um, but after 2019, I was done. Yeah. I was happy. Um, I had enough. Uh, I wanted to get away. Uh, I couldn't do it anymore. Uh, I wanted to have more time with the family, uh, get new focus, get new yeah. challenges. Um, and yeah, so it was actually much easier the second time. Look, it's a scary thing, yeah. leaving rugby behind. I mean, uh, firstly, that salary that comes in every month at the end of the month, Absolutely. and it's a pretty big one yeah. <laughs> as well. Uh, and But that's not the biggest thing. I mean, going into, a, and I was very fortunate that um, I had big business people in Pretoria, Louis van der from Atterbury Properties that backed me, that said, Victor, come come join us. Uh, I said, but what am I going to do? He said, just come join my company. Uh, with your leadership, with your people skills, yeah. we'll find something. And I mean, within six months, we started a new business where I was CEO of it. And I mean, going into a boardroom and you actually have no clue what you're talking about. You haven't been in that situation. Yeah. I mean, and you come from being... A player that everyone rates high. I mean, I could sit with an all-black coach. I could sit with Eddie Jones. I, and I can take them on. And they're not going to tell me anything yeah. because I think I know more than them. Or the same. Or I'm yeah. on the same level. It's maybe different, but I can take them on. Now you sit in a boardroom. There's guys that's been there, that's done it, that's got much more experience, that actually know you don't know nothing. And you're in this position that you have to tell them. That's scary. That's tough. <laughs> That's tough. I promise you, and you have to be brave. You put up a brave face, you fake it till you make it <laughs> almost. And um, But yeah, that's that, that's really tough. But at the same time, invaluable lessons. Because mm. you never stop growing as a human no. being, right? You Your rugby chapter is done, in a way, playing chapter, but there's mm. still the consulting, the analyst stuff that you do. Yeah. But I imagine that... Now I believe you off to France also to go and mm. coach again. Is the coaching side something you have a, a major passion for? Um, or I consulting, did. So coaching. I mean, yeah. when I um, when I finished when I wrote my book, mm. I said one day I want to arrive at that same airport where we ended up when we lost against uh, Australia in that quarterfinal, and I want to come back with a World Cup as uh, Springbok winning coach and. Um, Somehow I always thought that was going to be my way um, from playing. I mean, I actually had uh, 
assistant coaching job with the Bulls when I finished and I said no to it. Uh, there were certain things at the Bulls and then, I mean, four years ago they offered me the head coaching job with the Bulls and said no again. I almost said, oh, the wow. evening I said yes. And then there was something in the contract that didn't work and then these guys that I worked with offered me a bigger job um, in the business, uh, actually being CEO of the um, holding company where I had a little CEO of a smaller company. And then I turned away from rugby again. And I don't know if it was the right choice, um, but somehow my road just led to it. And I mean, at this stage, I still got that burning desire. And that's yeah. why doing this consultancy still, just to keep in the game. And I mean, going to Port to help Portugal for the week to prepare for um, the World Cup. And it's nice to go share some stuff, have a look from the outside, just give my input. Um, but I never say never when it comes to coaching. Um, I've got some great... Um, friends in the game uh, and top coaching positions and I know whenever they get the right opportunity in South Africa especially with the Springboks my name will be there they would want me to get involved and somehow I just need to keep myself relative sure. in the game yeah. stay close to it and not be too far away um, so yeah Maybe I'll come back one day. Uh, I'm my, in no doubt. my kids are almost <laughs> through all their sports. Uh, I love, I love, I promise you, I live for my kids' sport at the moment. My, I've seen on your social media, your my Instagram. My two daughters are doing so well at Netball. And, uh, Future protests. They won sure. essays, uh, provincials, and schools. And um, yeah, so I love it. And <laughs> I don't want to miss that. And that's yeah. why I walked away from, I mean, if you a coach, it's full time. Yeah. You can't say, listen, I'm going to take a break in this gap. My kids cut off or they cut SA, netball. If there's a game, there's a game. Yeah. You have to prepare. A Monday to a Sunday is booked. There's nothing you yeah. can do. You have to be the head coach. So, yeah, it's a difficult thing. And that's why I'm doing the consultancy. There was talk about, text, talk to me about okay. maybe getting involved there. And that's just four months and so maybe I'll do that. So maybe I'll stay in coaching somewhere. Uh, I've got no doubt. I think it was interesting what you said there is not to get too far away from the mm. game. And I think guys who are analysts, you're still quite far from the game, even yeah. though you're standing pitch side, yeah. right? No. And I mean, as an analyst, you have to be objective as much as you can, even yeah. though you've worn that jersey yeah, 127 yeah. times. No, It's something you enjoy, though. I can see you have a passion yeah. for it. No, I do enjoy it. And I enjoy it when it, uh, I remember when I started with Supersport, the big thing was for me to not get too technical. It's to almost be a human, have yeah. the up and downs, have the human around it. I just want to talk rugby. Yeah. So I had to adjust there. But again, you're on the sideline. Uh, I went to Bath, went to go and help mm -hmm. Johan van Graan at Bath last year. And just being on the pitch, being in the room, you see things again. Because you've got these principles on yeah. the game, and that will never change. Yeah. I mean, those principles will never change in the game. But once you go in there... You just see that within those principles, these things that change, and you have to adapt that to new things that they're sure. doing. But um, yeah, when you're inside, you see all of those. If you're on the outside, you've got the principles, but you don't got that touch and feel of the things that's changed. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Victor. Um, your coaching philosophy, what makes a successful team? You've been part of successful teams, mm -hmm. but one day when you are coaching at the highest level, what do you think is going to be key ingredients in a successful mm -hmm. team? That's easy. So first, there must be a dream. Okay. There must be a dream that everyone wants to achieve. And I mean the team's dream or vision must be much bigger than the individual. Then you have to have principles that people have to apply to get to that dream. Yeah. And I mean then there's certain things, discipline, hard work that you can't get away from. And there's certain things in the game. Technically, yeah. 
that I believe in that still, if I watch, I mean, if I watch Ireland now, I can see the principles I believe that they're implying. Maybe they're playing a bit more rugby, but the way they attack, the way they do certain things, the way they set up is exactly how we believe in it. As the Bulls, I always go back to our Bulls days. I mean, for four years, we dominated the world. I yeah. mean, the Crusaders could come with Richie, Dan Carter, everything. They get smashed when they played us. <laughs> yeah. It was easy. Uh, and those principles still apply. And I get so frustrated still today when I see I go to schools and they want to do different things because I know that's what works. So yeah. that will always be there. But, I mean, within that beliefs of mine, technically, I mean, the things off the field will never change. Sure. You have to do that. But, I mean, on the field, there's certain things that I believe that will never change. But within that, you have to stay with the game, how you get to your principles yeah. in the game as well. And that's, if you're too long out of the game, you miss that. And yeah. it's very difficult to get back into that. That's exciting. It's exciting. Uh, we've got a few minutes left, uh, Victor. I just, let's talk Rugby World Cup. Obviously, we've spoken about the risk-free bet with Betway. Mm -hmm. Check them out on betway.co.za. That game against Scotland is key. Mm. I know South Africa are not undercooked going into that game. Mm. But as you well said, you and Jean were predicting, it's France or New Zealand in the quarterfinals. And I expect us to get past Scotland. Mm. Um, you've mentioned you would rather play the host nation, France, in that quarterfinal. But let's say it comes down to New Zealand because then something's gone wrong somewhere. Mm. Um, for South Africa to get that good performance out the way, is it then a chance for them to rest and rotate um, with the rest of the pool games or do you think it will be a case of you know sticking to the guns and playing the best team that you can because there's an art to it right just on that risk-free yeah bet first i think you need to bet now very soon well, because after we've beaten wales <laughs> and all blacks in this warm-up games the bets are going to go down the odds are, the odds are going Absolutely. to change so it's okay. now so you heard it from um, victor madfield but it's very difficult going to world cup i mean we went through it today so in my mind, I was also beat Scotland, yeah. go to Ireland, because by then you know who's beaten, the All Blacks or Ireland, who's going to finish first in their pool. Yeah. But unfortunately with us, Tonga's our last game. And Tonga's not going to be an easy game. You can think, let's throw Ireland, let's rest a few players, yeah. lose that game, then all of a sudden the pressure's on you to beat Tonga. Yeah. So I'll rather say, you know what, let's go out, let's give everything for um, Scotland, let's beat Ireland. Yeah. Then against Tonga, you can sit back because by then you probably, even if you lose that game, you're fine. Mm. Um, you don't want to lose because you want to build momentum. But I mean, then you're in that position. Then Scotland and uh, <laughs> Ireland need to play each other. Who's going through? And I mean, let's say it's Ireland. Yeah. Now they've played the uh, Springboks. They've played Scotland. Then they have to go up against the All Blacks or France. Yeah. That's why I can't see Ireland winning this World Cup um, or getting past the quarters. Another interesting thing is is Tonga. The, they've they've pulled in some former All Blacks, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, they've been talking about some South Sea Islanders that have played international. Mm. So the risk of injury is a big one. I don't see us losing to Tonga, mm. but there's always a risk of injury because they are physical mm. and they're big boys. Yeah. I mean, we almost lost against Tonga in 2007. So we That's thought we were going to rest most of our yeah. guys. I think we were seven guys that were certainties in the starting lineup on the bench. Um, and then all of a sudden, at halftime, I think we were 10 or 12 points behind. All of us at halftime on. 
came back, and they still, in the last minute, they had a cross kick. If it bounced left infield, it was open. They scored, we lose that game. It, luckily, it bounced to the right, and we won that game. Um, so Tonga is not that easy. And I mean, yeah. Israel Falau, probably the I'm best saying. rugby player in the world three years ago. Yeah. I mean, there's three, four All Blacks there in pivotal position at 10. Um, so I think they can upset, especially Scotland. I yeah. think they can upset. I don't believe they can beat us. If we go into that game, make it the most boring game you've ever seen. Yeah. Scrub, penalty. Go to the mall, penalty. Yeah. They can't stop that. They just don't have it to stop that um, yeah. with this back that we have. So I don't see them beating us. But like I said, I mean, we played Samoa in 2011 World Cup, where it was the dirtiest game I've ever played. I mean, high hits, punches, cleans from the side. And I mean, like you say, injury is yeah. a threat. So if you can get to that game, you've got few, few, three, four key players that you can pull out of that game. It will be great for our chances. All right. So so looking at uh, so Pool A, New Zealand, France, Italy, Uruguay, Namibia. We wish Namibia all the best. Alistair Katsia is obviously mm -hmm. in charge there. Um, but looking at that quarterfinal mix, and I know you've already gone through that, it becomes quite interesting because once you hit semis, anything can I know quarterfinals anything can happen but mm. you expect that I suppose with quarterfinals even then it's difficult to predict who would go through but who potentially would you see in the semifinals apart from the Springboks again if you're a betting man <laughs> <laughs> we actually went through it this morning John and myself and we finished up semifinals yeah without a Northern Hemisphere team really we went through it we went um, England Argentina no, England, Australia, okay. the one quarter. You said Australia's yeah. going to take that. Uh, England, Ireland, nowhere. Yeah. Ireland, and the All Blacks. Okay. All Blacks winning it. Okay. South Africa, France. France. Yeah. South Africa winning it. And the other one was Argentina, Wales, and Argentina winning it. So that was our prediction Match. this morning. <laughs> okay. We'll hold you to That's that. That's a lack of bit. I think the odds <laughs> must be very good on that. Uh, Victor Madfield, thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing your insights. And I've no doubt that one day we will see you coaching uh, a national team. Mm. Uh, good luck with Portugal. Thank and uh, we look forward to catching up with you again. Thank you. It's very nice being here. Thanks for your time. Thanks.